0: everyone and welcome to the Total Athlete Podcast brought to you by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the Total Athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca and in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org. I'm your host, Herbie Kuhn. And today, we're excited to welcome a special guest to the podcast and he is a football lifer personified. With 24 years of both playing and coaching experience in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, Mark Washington, well, if he hasn't seen it all, he's seen an awful lot. He played from 1997 to 2007 with the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions. He has coached in several capacities from 2008 until the present, first with the Lions, and now he fulfills his current role as defensive coordinator with the proud Hamilton Tiger Cats. Along the way he's been part of three great cup championship teams twice as a player once as a coach but more important than all of that though folks he and his wife Judy a Canadian and Moriale, they have been married for nearly 20 years and they have two teenage children. He loves his wife he loves his kids and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark Welcome.
1: Herbie, man, that was a great introduction. You got me fired up, buddy. How you doing, my (laughs) man?
0: You know what, if life was any better, there'd be a parade for me somewhere, my man. Life (laughs) is good. Life is good. I'm grateful to God for his provision in the context of this pandemic. There's so much stuff going on, but you know what? I got breath in my lungs and I've got purpose in living and keep putting one foot in front of the other. You feel me, buddy?
1: Man, we we sound like we live in the same life.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, gratitude. As I reflect on this time, gratitude is so is so key. Yes. Yes. Gratitude is such a significant survival tool in the right. midst of what we're all living through right now. Right. right. And and I know that you and I, despite whatever frustrations or circumstances we're going through, gratitude, if it's the underlying cur- current current, it, it can be the lifesaver that keeps us keeps us above water. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, you think about this, sir. Why why are you know, we're feeling any sense of frustration, you know, with the with the quarantine and lockdown and things like that. You know, we don't like that, but think about it. The reason why is because we have enjoyed freedom for so yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's being taken away, but, you know, it's being uh, affected in some way. Well, think about that. We've had freedom to go and to do. We've been in good health and everything like that. We're alive and we're moving around. We've been doing that for so long. So now we have a period in which we have to you know, curtail that a little bit.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: It just shows, you know, instead of complaining about it, I need to be thankful that fact that I had it, that I've had it for so long, and that I'm still good health, I'm still here, we're still here, we're still going. And then by the grace of God, one day we'll experience it again.
0: And we will appreciate it that much more when mm-hmm. we come to that point. Exactly. To be to begin today, now that we've already begun with that wonderful tidbit of conversation, mm. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask you a couple of key elements that every single person listening to this podcast wants to know about you. Are you ready? <clears throat> okay, two things. It's, it's a two-pronged question. Gotcha. First of all, where are you from originally? And secondly, what's your favorite food? Over to you.
1: Here we go. All right, so I was born in Washington, D.C. I'm a Washington, Ooh, true and true. My last name is Washington. That's I was born there. Everything about me is Washington. I was uh, born there, grew up right outside of D.C. in Prince George's County, Maryland. It's all like the, all a part of the infamous DV, as they call it now. And my favorite food, Oxtail.
0: Whoa, we're going
1: West Indian, man. Yaman, yaman, yaman. I love it. I I like to yam there, Oxtail, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What else do you like to put on the side? You got some rice on the side. Is it rice and peas or is it peas and rice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Rice and peas, rice and peas, rice and peas. You put it over there, you know. And it's a thousand different ways to do rice and peas, but as long as it's good, not too dry, it's ready. Mm oxtail on top, it's a nice base foundation to build on. And, you know, man, I don't even care like how you cut up the oxtail, because sometimes some people cut it up to so the real small and mm-hmm. like, the whole bone, doesn't matter to me, just as long as it's good and it's tender, oh, man. I shouldn't even be talking about it because now I want something, you know
0: what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, this was not planned when I, t- I'm going to take it a step further. Where, where are your West Indian roots from?
1: From my wife. Your wife
0: got gotcha. you?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, she she was born in Montreal, but yes, comes from Jamaica. Her family. There from- you go. And so her, you know, her mom came up to came up to Montreal. I I, I don't I don't think I ever had growing up. I never had oxtail. I, I never oh. had. You know, I didn't grow up around. What, a deprived, childhood. what I, a deprived childhood! I know. Childhood. I know. I didn't. But see, that's why God brought me here, so I can experience all of that. You know, and so absolutely I got to Jamaica, uh, and I mean, got to Montreal, and that was it, man.
0: Uh, my my mom's from Guyana, so I grew up, oxtail was part of the regular repertoire around our household, pepper pot. But yes. my all time favorite, my all time favorite is, is curried Shrimp with roti. That's That I could have probably six out of seven days a week and not yes. get sick of it, not get sick yes, of it. Yes, no doubt, no
1: doubt. doubt.
0: Oh, so so Mark, we, we, we've, we've touched on the culinary element and I think mm-hmm. we can, you know, dream about that over the course of the rest of the conversation. Moving forwards, let's go back to those dc roots those maryland roots growing up in the us capital area in the late 70s and in the 1980s your family structure where you grew up how did that mold you and your character
1: wow that's well the the dc that we see now was different from the dc that that hmm. when i was growing up the um you know uh there's a, the city has changed, you know, mm. and I guess it's still sort of that way, but back then, I mean, DC was called Chocolate City, you know? Okay. And so it's because obviously the most of the, the, the residents there were black, you know? Right. one of the few cities, I want to say, well, Atlanta is sort of that way now and, and New Orleans, one of the few cities where black people make up the higher percentage of the population than white people. Mm. You know? So it was always a proud thing to walk around in Chocolate City. You know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> so, you know you had your sections that, even though within a Chocolate City, um, there were sections of town you never went to. Okay. Know? Because it was more of um, it's not as much chocolate in that in that area. You know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like and, and, and and so, I um, mean, it was it was. Uh, I had a, a great childhood. You know, my, mm. my dad and my brother. And then, uh, and then later on, I met my sister. I, I had a half sister I didn't even know. None of us knew about for for a while.
0: You wow, know,
1: that's a whole nother podcast, you know. But um, man, I had a, a awesome childhood. You know, my parents that you know they were married forty nine years before my dad passed away. Wow, um, and they structured everything for us. It was it was like okay, you know, they set us up to be great. You know what I mean? And, and <clears> because they did anything extraordinary that they loved us they 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 had the discipline and the things set up for us obviously my parents you know they they, they introduced me obviously by force you going to church boy
0: yeah and yeah we
1: were in church every week every weekend you know all that type of thing and <clears throat> most of my friends were from you know growing up in church and things like that though i still talk to to this day you know and so uh man it was a blessed childhood, I can say that. And then, you know, we had a it was unique in that we obviously lived in in the DC area. Um, and you know, I might as well just let's just talk about it now, Herbie, if that's cool. The the one of the funniest, most um peculiar thing, that's how God has such a, a great sense of humor. My dad's name was George Washington.
0: Yes, yes. George yeah. Washington. Let, let me let me just state the obvious here, okay? okay. <laughs> growing, growing up in Washington with the family name Washington, and your dad's name is George Washington. I'm just going to hand it over to you from there because that just that just opens up a whole wide avenue of conversation right there. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about your dad.
1: Oh man, well George Washington. Uh, yes, he grew up grew up in D.C. Um, the reason why his mom named him George. Mm-hmm my dad's birthday was February 20th. Okay. Washington's birthday is February 22nd.
0: The inaugural, the initial president of the United exactly, States. Exactly, exactly.
1: Right. So it's like, well, I'm, I'm gonna name him George. And you
0: know,
1: mm. she named him George, you know, and, and all right, my, I don't know, hopefully one day we can make a movie about my dad's life because it was just an incredible life. All and, right, all right. Named George Washington, uh, growing up in DC in, in the segregated, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s. You you know, it was it was a tough road to sled you know what mm. I mean? the, that he had to go. But one of the things that uh, added to his character, and and I and I thank God that he survived it, was that and I don't know if you know. Excuse me, notice, Herbie's that when he was five, he got hit by a truck.
0: He lost a leg. He
1: lost his leg. He lost his yeah. right leg when he was five years old. Um, the doctors didn't expect him uh, well he may live a few years but just the way things are he's not going to live well he lived till he was 81. so uh it, it, he he went along he went a long way
0: way and, to tell those doctors what they didn't know huh? <laughs> exactly exactly amazing so amazing he
1: graduated um and then he got into a, a particular program um that that the dc government was offering at the time and he chose the, uh, the 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 pathway of photography. And yeah. then a special photography class, a program, uh, the only only black in the program, as you can imagine. There's a picture mm. the past of him graduating from this from this uh, this program. And believe it or not, he became a White House photographer.
0: Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me just make sure <laughs> we we've got this picture clear so that everybody who's listening, that I get it clear, that they get it clear. We've got a black man named George Washington in DC, the only black man in a photography course, the only one to graduate from it, and he gets a job as a photographer at the White House of all yes. places. Okay, I'm, I'm letting that sink in. I'm letting yeah, that let absorb. It, let it,
1: yeah, oh, 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 hold on, a oh, one-legged,
0: yeah, one-legged dude. Yes,
1: one-legged black man named George Washington working at
0: working the- in the White House. We could almost end the interview right here, but <laughs> but I, I have a feeling there's more. I have a feeling there's more. Keep on keep on telling us about the significance of that and how how that helped shape you and your concept of your role.
1: Well, the, the the funny thing is is that he he was there and he worked for a few years. He was there for a while, but this was all before I was born. You know, this was all before I was born, so I only only knew of the stories and things that he would say, and he really didn't talk about it that much. Um, uh, my mom would talk about it a little bit more, you know, but he didn't talk about it that much until a few years ago. Um, uh, this was right before he passed away, a few years ago, uh, my mom was cleaning out her old closet and he had stacks and stacks of photos that uh, he had taken during that time. and. You know, it was like, hold on, what, like what? Like, where are these things? And these photos were—he had family photos because he was in a house during the the Kennedy and and, and Johnson administrations,
0: right? Wow, hold on, so Kennedy he, and Johnson. Yeah, yeah, the okay. yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So yeah. I mean, he wasn't in Dallas when Kennedy was assassinated, anything like okay.
0: that.
1: he was during that period, right? He has. Oh, he had so many photos of of Ken, John John F. Kennedy and the family and mm. Jackie and all them like like personal photos like you know they were just like hanging out type things you know, he's taking photos and then same with Johnson, um, when when Johnson's um when he was the president his his daughter got married and she got married at this church the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in D.C. in Northwest D.C. and uh, Northeast D.C. He was the photographer for the wedding, you know. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm trying to figure this out. I'm just I'm just running this through my brain here. You've got LBJ mm-hmm. and his daughter. He's the president of the United States. He's his daughter is getting married, and your dad is the photographer for the wedding. We're right. correct. Am I correct here? You got it. You that got must have been that in of itself. That picture is worth a thousand words, right? Yeah. There. He
1: had a he had a, he had a few. Had a lot of those pictures. Now here's the funny thing. I, I wasn't even around, so right. you know. You know, I wasn't, but it was, yeah. And I I didn't know all of this stuff until, to like two thousand. Well, I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of it until around 2015, 16 when he, uh, when my mom discovered those photos.
0: So how did that change your perspective? Now, not that it sounds like you had a wonderful upbringing. Your relationship with your folks was decent by 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 all all indications, mm-hmm. but then later on in life, much later on in life, you these truths, these realities are revealed to you through these photographs, your mom discovered, did that to what extent did that change your perspective, or even your appreciation of your father and his role, that he served as a photographer in the White House during the JFK and LBJ administrations?
1: Well, you know, it made me appreciate and admire my dad even more. Mm. Because um, my dad was a very humble man, you know, um, he, he he understood that he didn't have, he didn't need bravado, you know, but he had such a presence. When he walked into the room, you knew he was there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not because he made a lot of noise, he didn't talk, he didn't say a lot, his presence was there and he was a very humble man. And to, to have all of these events happen in his life and him really not to talk about it, you know, for like, for all these things to happen, it just shows like, you know, it's, it's better to just be humble, be quiet, you know, mm. so many proverbs that talk to talk about, you know, it's better to be to remain silent and be thought of as wise than open. your yeah. mouth or remove, You know, you know, the, 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 the doubt of it, you know. Yeah. So that's the kind of guy he was, you know, he didn't brag about us and didn't talk about himself um, and it, he was fully invested in my, my mom, my brother. Then later on, we found about my sister and our family mm-hmm. providing the best for us. You know, when we moved uh, from we lived like right on the DC on the border off of Southern Avenue, we moved out into the suburbs mm-hmm. you know, at the Jeffersons. We were moving on up. We were the first black, uh, first black uh, uh, family on our street. You know, and so that came with its own set of issues and things like that. But man. Um, I, it, you know, it just, I just admire him so much more because of the the life he lived and how he lived with integrity, he lived strong, you know, and, and he lived for the Lord. So, man, that, that was it.
0: So with that as the backdrop, uh, with your family growing up in this particular area of DC and then moving and becoming the first Black family to live on another street, in the context of all of that, was faith you told me that you know that you were taking to church regularly you told us that that was part of the upbringing how much at what point did it become instead of mom and dad said boy you're going to church today at what point did it transition from that to becoming your relationship with god as opposed to living under the banner of your parents relationship right. with god
1: right well you know her and i hope people can relate to this i believe people will um growing up from church you know, my I remember my the pastor would always say, uh, "Things go better with Christ. Things go better with Christ. Things go better." with Christ. <laughs> I mean, you hear it to one to the point where you know you know when he's about to say it, and you just sort of say it yourself. Um, and I was I remember I was sixteen years old, and you know I had, I had started to go down a road that I didn't want to go down. Mm. I remember it saying, "Wait a minute." If things go better with Christ, then I need to try Him, you know. But, you know, like I don't—I shouldn't say like most sixteen-year-olds, but I can just speak for me, you know. I, you know, I needed a relationship with Jesus Christ for myself for one reason
0: and survival.
1: Survival. Yes, mm-hmm. it was like this. This is in uh, so this would have been nineteen eighty-nine, so late 80, late eighties. You know, the crack epidemic is everywhere. Mm. And there's more, you know. Black males are dropping more, more in jail than in college, and all this kind of stuff. Oh. And it was like, you ever played a game? You play Monopoly, right? And so, yeah, like, you get the card, the get out of jail free card, right? And so you keep that card. You get it. You keep it. Then if you ever roll, you know, you roll the dice, and then you end up in jail. You can pull out the card. Well, instead of me having a get out of jail free card, I had to get out of hell free card. Oh boy. So I wanted to have a relationship with Jesus just so that he can keep me from going to hell, just in case.
0: Hmm. Just
1: in case I'm one of I'm one of those victims. I'm going to school, I get shot, or something like that. Or <laughs> I'm partying with my boys and I get, you know, I needed to get I needed a close enough relationship with Jesus to get out of, to stay out of hell, but I wasn't close enough with him to actually be living for him.
0: Okay, so I see I sense a bit of an imbalance here, Mark.
1: Yeah, I, see us, I
0: see us um, abusing a relationship for the sake of its benefits
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: without, without committing to the relationship itself, something 100%. I think anyone listening can appreciate. 100%. So given the Mark Washington that we know and see today, at some point that had to change. Apparently yes. that had to change.
1: Yeah, so I'm 16, 17, 18, 19, I'm going through, I go to university, you know, and, and everything is like, I'm going to university and I'm like, oh, I'm free now to do what I want.
0: And, and tell tell people quickly where you went to university. And you oh, played oh football God, there,
1: right, right there, Rutgers University, right?
0: Yeah, baby. <laughs> and so, what'd <laughs> you study uh, there? What'd you study at Rutgers?
1: Industrial engineering. Woo! Yeah, industrial yep,
0: that's, engineering. There's your degree. Right there, listen,
1: that's my that. that's my proudest accomplishment right there, man.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. It,
1: but it was the I wanted to keep God close just in case. But I, I was a uh, you know it was it was my rookie year. So I finished school and everything. My rookie year, I'm 23, 24 years old. I'm in Montreal, and God just began to essentially dismantle my life of it, and mm. stripped away a lot of the distractions and the things that I said, "Okay." And and I remember Him saying, like very vividly, just like we're having this conversation here, it's like, "Enough's enough. When are you gonna start living for Me?"
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, this whole lucky charm, you know, genie in a bottle, God doesn't work. No, it's either you all in or you all out, you committed to me, or you commit, or you're not. Either way, let's just go because I understood that, in spite of my silly and halfway committed decisions, God had continued to progress his will in my life to this point. And so, I say, not because of me, but in spite of me, Mm. to push me forward, you know, to this moment. But a decision where it's like, all right, now, are you gonna live for me or are you not? And gotten, you uh, know, I had always been in the scriptures and really just begin to dig and say, man, I I can't live this this two-sided existence. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it hit me, man. Um, uh, John 6:68. 6, you know where Jesus turns to his disciples and he's like, are you gonna leave and abandon me too? Essentially, is what he's saying. And he yeah. turned to him and said, nah, it's like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Mm. You have the key. You have the words of eternal life. And that struck with me because it was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do with my life? Mm. No, I have the key to eternal life, the key to fulfillment and what I'm supposed to be doing, standing right in front of me, the person of Jesus Christ, and I'm not grabbing on to him? Like, it didn't. Mm. Make any sense to me? That, that was a shift in my life, man.
0: So it sounds to me like at that age you're you're living in Montreal at this point. You're in your first year playing in the Canadian Football League, uh, a partial season. It sounds almost as if it was a type of coming of age, a spiritual coming of age, if you will. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I think of the famous wedding passage in First Corinthians thirteen. As you were talking, uh, when I became a man. I put childish ways behind me the apostle yep. paul says with yep. that with that you can resonate with that
1: it is it is it has become the basis of my i would say part of my ministry since since then okay continue okay. continuing putting away of childish things mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. A, a, a line in the sand a marker delineation saying, i am no longer going to act immaturely or even irresponsibly when it comes to the things of God or in my life in general. I'm gotcha. a man. Whether I feel like a man, you're a man and you're going to be treated as such. Hey dude, I'm I'm 24 at this point, right? You know yeah. I'm I, and, and now I'm starting to feel like a man. And I know a lot of people can relate to that or say, you know, and so God took off a man I said I'm making a decision. I am I am going to be obedient to the call of Christ he has my life and this is it
0: you know so this is interesting because this is early on in your cfl career you went on to play for 10 years you ended up winning two great cup championships i find it fascinating that this pivotal faith moment occurred at the beginning of your career and obviously i i think it would be obvious to say that shaped how you carried yourself on the field in the locker room with the media with fans with coaches and so on and so forth Yes. Talk to us about the reality, it would if you would, of living a life for Christ in a professional football locker room, which is one of the, and I've been in there, which is one of the most worldly places that you can imagine. Talk to us about living a Christ-filled life in the context of a pro football locker room.
1: Not easy, but necessary. Amen. <clears throat> Not easy, but necessary. Okay. Um, in so many ways. This is this is my life. This is how I have chosen, and God has given me the ability to choose how I'm going to live. You're either going to live for me or you die. not, right? That's what God is, is essentially saying. And I'm choosing. to so, say, all right, I'm going to live for you. And like my dad had taught me, praise God for him, if you're going to say yes, say yes. If you're going to commit to it, commit to it. Mm. Be all in, be all in. Be a man of your word. Amen. And so, right, well, I got to be a man of my word. And mm. if I'm going to follow Jesus, I got to follow him. And then when you get into the locker room, it doesn't that doesn't change your circumstances. Don't don't change your walk or your or the decisions that you make. No, I'm still a man of God in this environment that is, you know, Mm -hmm. that's appealing to that. You know? Yes. But then you it's necessary because we we can't we can't shift, you know, we can't be like waves up and down. You know, we can't shift like shadows. We have to stick to what we believe in. And then Begin to see that other people in the locker room, they acknowledge that, and they don't mm. see you. They start to see the the Christ in you. Mm. See that when everybody's going left, you're going right. You know, mm. they're going down, you're going up, and it's like, all right, what is it about this? And yeah, did it come with ribbon? Did it come with teasing? Did it come with all that craziness? Guys joking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's gonna come. You know that's yeah. that's a part of it, man. You swimming up, you swimming upstream. You're gonna have some resistance. But in the long run, you know, why do we why do we love salmon so much? Why does it taste so good? Because they swim upstream, they go against it, right? Yeah. And that eventually happened. And it was so funny, bro. It's like so many times when things got hard, when things mm. for people personally or for our team or whatever, we turn to the believers and say, Hey man, can you pray for me?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: no, know, can we life, can we life, do this? Life. Can we do that? Huh? Yeah, I mean it's life. Exactly. And so um, wasn't easy, but very, very necessary. And that's, that's just the way all of us have to live because hey, the locker room is no different than the lunch room in the, at an office building. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm sure I'm sure those work environments or, or the break room at the factory.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah. I'm sure they
1: get a little testy in there too.
0: I have a feeling that one of the things that definitely helped with that process. And obviously it has to start within you to make that decision that it's not easy, but it is necessary. But I would imagine given the timing of meeting Judy, hey. that, that was one of the things that helped with that process over the course of the years. You're playing in Montreal and you meet a woman from Montreal who lives there in Montreal, is raised in Montreal, that that definitely made a difference. So here's what I want to talk about next. In the context of your relationship with Judy, your role as a husband and now your role as a dad there are a lot of dads and husbands out there mark who are completely sold out for their marriages they're sold out for their kids they're fully committed to being there for their their children to having the t-shirt that says best dad ever and they're living simply by the world standards They, they don't have christ they're not christians yet they are honorably faithfully serving their wives and children So my question is this for you. This is where the rubber hits the road. What difference does Christ make? In other words, how does your Christian faith inform your role as a husband and a dad? Otherwise, why bother with Christ?
1: It shapes it. It defines it. It gives it a target because we're going to miss the mark. Mm. You you can be the best dad in the world with a T-shirt and a coffee mug. You're still missing the mark. All right. I have a model I have a model of what I'm, I look at uh, Jesus Christ as my as my lord as my savior I look at the relationship he had with his father and I'm like man that that's what I'm aspiring to have and aspiring to be but also it gives me shape purpose context when it comes to uh, uh, my relationship here with my wife I also understand how my relationship with my wife, my my family and my children how it fits into the bigger purpose of why i'm here
0: mm, mm, mm-hmm. that's we key know, right there
1: we are you know we're, you can live outside of the decisions you can make for jesus christ and that's great but we still have that craving of why like why am i here and what am i supposed to do oh by the way it answers my relationship with christ also answers the biggest question is what's going to happen when I leave here? Mm. Like my life, our lives, 70, 80 years, that's a good life. 90 years is a great life. Where are you going to spend eternity?
0: Yeah.
1: All right. That's what that, my relationship with Christ answers, you know, the now and the later.
0: Amen. Amen. And the later
1: obviously is a lot longer than the now, but it gives the now purpose. It gives the now um a reason it gives the now it, it gives me a focus on where to go it gives me a map on how the the go about it it gives me a map on how to be the best husband mm. the best father you know the come on best coach friend brothers whatever you know what i mean it tells me how to do that plus it's like okay we talk about eternal life which is awesome which is you know but eternal life for me has already started Gotcha. It's not about the future or when I die, when it's all said and done. I'm living, I'm starting to live that now so that this world doesn't have to be such a crappy place, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Even yep. though it's full of crap, you know, but right now, you know, God is leading me through that. It makes all the difference in the world because we have an eternal purpose and we have that eternal itch, that internal and eternal itch that only Jesus Christ can scratch. Only, I'm telling you, as a man who's been there, done it, only he can scratch that.
0: You know something, when you actually become convinced of this and start getting excited about it, you know what? It's going to be really, really interesting to deal with. (laughs) Really (laughs) interesting to deal with, Mark. Wow. Thank you for your insight in that regard. And my prayer, my true desire is that God would use what you have just said to reveal the hearts of men and women listening to this interview right now, who think that, well, hey, I'm committed. I'm, you know, I'm faithful to my wife. I make sure I'm I'm there investing in my kids. Isn't that good enough? I want them to hear what you've just shared and, and realize what more can be added to that. Moving forwards, I have this one for you. It might be something you've already knew that's been reinforced or perhaps a new revelation altogether in the last year let that sink in for a sec in the last year what's the most profound truth about the lord that you have learned mark washington
1: Mm. all right i close my eyes because i can see
0: it okay
1: psalm 32 8. come on I will lead you in the way that you should go. Mm. I will keep my eye on you and I will counsel you. Mm. Herb, I've been a Christian a long time. I've read, Mm I don't know how many times, right? But I don't know, for some reason, 2020, that brought me out. I, I will lead you in the way that you should go. I am going to lead you. What am I going to do, God? What are we going to do? I will lead you.
0: Lead you I'm in I the way you go. should go. I'm
1: going to lead you. But, 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 I'm going to lead you. All right? That was one. And then it, then it says, and I will counsel you with my eye on you. In other words, once we start to go, it's like he doesn't, he, we're not on this thing on our own. You know, he's going to keep our eye on us. And so, if we're midstream and we need to make an adjustment, well, he'll be there to tell us, hey, yo, yo you need to make an adjustment, you need to turn left here, you need to turn right here, you know, you need to go. Now, man, I don't know why, that, that has been, man, that brings life to me. And you know what i saw? I've started, oh, go ahead, you want, you about to read it?
0: I'm, I'm going to read it, I've got the new living, no, excuse me, I've got the new King James Version here. It says, mm-hmm. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's Psalm thirty-two, verse eight. That is Dude, absolutely spectacular.
1: That verse, I don't know why, in twenty twenty twenty, you know, early now, it, it has it has really begun to shape a lot of my thinking. And then also, and I'll, and I say this every day. I say this every day. You know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He's creation.
1: He's a new creation. You know. The, the old things are gone, become, all things have become new. Mark, all things have become new. And I've been a Christian now for, you know, over 20 years, no, 30 years, Mm-mm. All things are new, you are a new man.
0: Amen. And Amen. I remind
1: myself this every day, Mark, you are a new man in Christ. And so don't live like the old man. Man, we talk about putting away childish ways. And don't live like that old dude, you are a new man. And as, I, as, I, as I'm the new man, in Christ, the old is gone, he has new things and he's pushing me new things. I will lead you in the way that you're going and I will guide you with my eye. Come on, man, it's like, He get, everything is covered, you know? And man, yeah, that's what, that's what the last year has been looking like for me. You know what I You
0: mean? know, you, you know something, Mark, you, we talk about the game of football, we talk about the game of basketball, we talk about the game of hockey, whatever the sport may be. And at the end of the day, your goal, for the team you compete on is to have at least one point more than the opposition <laughs> and as a, and as a defensive coordinator you know it's one thing to say well my defense surrendered only 16.3 points per game or 22. Point, but, uh, but as long as my team had one point more than that yes that's at the end of the day that's what keeps you in your job what keeps wow. you in your job and in the context of this verse Knowing that and I'm going to read the New Living Translation here, it says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, I will advise you and watch over you, knowing that he is watching over us is, is what is going to keep us going, because in football, in sport, in life, in finances, in relationships, in the context of pandemic, Mm -hmm. every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, has asked the question, why? what's next how are we going to those things and you through the holy spirit's direction have revealed this verse to myself and our listeners today which i am believing is going to be a great encouragement and a life altering verse for some individuals
1: i pray that it does bro i really really does yeah it really yeah
0: mark this has been a true blessing and encouragement for me and i trust that it's been a true blessing and encouragement for those listening to this podcast as well as we serve with athletes in action and as we serve right across north america with this ministry our goal indeed is what i shared earlier in our conversation before we began recording from luke chapter number two where simeon talks to mary and joseph and he says that this child this child will be the one who causes the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Mm -hmm. And I pray that Jesus in us, Jesus in you has caused the deeper thoughts of many to be revealed and understood better today. So Mark, thank you so much for being a part of our athletes in action broadcast today. Thank you for joining us here on Coons Corner. Anything else you want to share in closing?
1: You know, Herbie, thank you for and God bless you, man, for for having this this podcast. And I, I hope and pray that you know God has a way. Trust me. Whoever's listening to this or watching this right now, you're doing it for a reason. There's a purpose for it. You need to hear it, you know. And God has the answers of now, and God has the answers of eternity because He is the one who created them all, created it all, created them both, and He's the only one that can answer your questions when it comes to now and when it comes to eternity. And so come to him surrender your life to him because it works he works. It works.
0: (sighs) Couldn't have said it any better myself things are always a little bit better with Christ in it. Folks you've been listening to the total athlete podcast presented by athletes in action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the total athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca. And in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org.